If you're looking for a used car that won't break the bank, get down to Democrat Used Cars, where we'll do anything to get your vote. Yeah, this 78 Bernie Sanders comes with free health care and free college. Let me tell you what this political movement is about. And our Buick Bidens have more good features than you can count. A three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. But best of all, every vehicle is certified by Carfax, so you'll know exactly what you're buying. This Elizabeth Warren, red Jeep Cherokee, is actually a white Suburban. Democrat used cars, where the deals will always surprise you. Dang it, who let Beto drive? I believe that together we can make America great again. They're selling them used cars on the cable news channels tonight, Sean Barry. It is an 11.30 p.m. edition of Everybody Calm Down. We're technically recording this in the interest of full disclosure on Wednesday night. I believe it is October the 23rd. Why? Because we're off tomorrow, Thursday the 24th, because yours truly, Jimmy Fallon, host of this fine program, head writer of The Kennedy Show on Fox Business. I am also the host of the Blue Rush podcast, for the New York Post. And unfortunately, uh, I am interviewing a... Well, fortunately, I'm interviewing a Super Bowl champion tomorrow named Harry Carson. But the thing about being a Super Bowl champion, a nine-time Pro Bowler, and a member of the Giants Ring of Honor is you can call the interview time whenever you want. Right. <laughs> when, right. you, when you're Jimmy... Like, he's showing up with a retired jersey. I'm showing up with a retired taxi license. I don't have a lot of leverage in the fight, Harry. And uh, he'd like to talk at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, he's an older gentleman. He's an older gentleman. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's that's an hour before lunch for a guy his age. <laughs> he's, uh, he's having breakfast right now. It's 11.25. <laughs> but uh, you can see me in the New York Post tomorrow. You'll see my mug and a nice banner in Thursday's post for the Blue Rush podcast. And my first column is supposed to run Thursday, if that makes or Friday, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm a little discombobulated with time. But the point being is we don't really have a show today for you. But we are in the customer service business, Jimmy Fail and my producer, Sean Barry. So Hello. we thought we would run into the studio tonight before bed. Mm-hmm. Bed. Yeah. <laughs> we, I haven't slept. I haven't <laughs> slept since the Clinton administration. That's why I'm opening with his clips. That's the last time I cut some clips and got some sleep. But uh, we just wanted to reach out to you guys and tell you how thankful we are for your support and right for on. sticking with the show and being so good to us. So we thought me and Shawnee would have a little chat. Uh, he's drinking Michter's because... Who isn't drinking Mictors at this point? Uh, you know, I have everyone in Fox News walking around calling each other's Mictors guys and Mictors gals. And like, somebody spilled something at the salad bar the other day. I, I don't want to name names. And just a prominent TV host was like, not a Mictors guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I was, but it was amazing to me because I was like, you listen to the show. Yeah. And I was like, come on the show. And he was like, no. <laughs> well, can't. if the person cleaned it up afterwards, Mictors, a Mictors guy. guy. Total, yeah. total Mictors guy. But uh, Sean Barry, Jimmy Fallon, we're makers, guys. And uh, we're having a nice time doing this show, so much so that we're showing up on our day off just to tell you we're off. You know, we're off. There's yeah. no show. There's no gas. We're supposed to have Antoine C. right on. That got blown to high heaven. Mm-hmm. My favorite guy on earth to talk to. He's the best. But there's logistically, if you just understood what my life looked like, there's no way to record tomorrow. And you know, I, it kills me to concede defeat. But in a way, I have not because I got into the studio. Yeah. And we're going to play you some of our stupid sketches tonight. <laughs> It's like a best of, even though we don't have any hits. Like one of the most infuriating things I ever witnessed in a record store. You know the song, uh, you know, remember the song Laid by James? Of course. This bed is on fire. Yeah, that yeah. whole thing. I was in a record store once and he has an album out called James's Greatest Hits. And I was like, the balls. <laughs> like it should be James's Greatest Hit. Yeah. And I'd respect it. I'd probably buy it too. Right. But hits, it was, you know, a lot of chutzpah. A lot as of they different say. versions of that song. Yeah, a lot of remixes. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the Samba Sin version. City mix. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cancun Party Jam Edition. KTU used to do that. They would take like the Celine Dion song from Titanic yeah. and make it a disco mix. Sure. Damn you, KTU. I mean, you deserve to be out of business for stunts like that. I mean, I actually think the country improved with the demise of KTU. I agree with that. And that's just not anybody throwing a support behind me. That is. Barack Hussein Obama, mm. which I don't do. You know, when people used to try to disparage him by, by hooking his middle name. Yeah. You know, it's funny. He had a great joke at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And uh, pound for pound, nobody executed a Correspondents' Dinner better than him. I resent that Trump doesn't do it every year. I know why he doesn't do it. Because the media hates him. He hates the media. 
Mm. They're not going to give him a fair shake. They're not going to give him a fair shake. They don't give anybody a fair shake, to be clear. Whoever hosts the correspondence dinner gets abused in the press. Like, this is going back to Bush one, mm-hmm. you know? could be Conan. It could be anybody. They're going to get. They're going to give him a hard time. Could be Jimmy Kimmel. If you remember the kid from Talk Soup, Joel McHale, they gave him a hard time. Right. Ricky Gervais, they gave him a hard time a few mm-hmm. times. It's a hard gig to host because you're not playing a traditional comedy crowd, and you're getting a lot of thin skins people who like to. You know, the thing about journalists, uh, especially like Twitter coastal elites, is they consider themselves uh, comedy authorities, so they like to sit in the room and give you like an oof. Or a yikes. Yeah. I mean, they, they can't write jokes themselves. Right. But so they fancied themselves like emperors who can just, you know, banish a joke to hell <laughs> because they couldn't write it themselves or they know it treads in some delicate lane where it wouldn't be cool to tell a joke. So uh, Trump, you know, whoever hosted for Trump at the Correspondence Center probably wouldn't do well. But I'd like to see it anyway because if Trump applied himself, it would be funny because he has a lot to work off because there's such a stigma in the room between the two people that you could hang a lot of comedy on that. But he wouldn't necessarily do it, you dig? I think he would do it if he was allowed to have a microphone of his own <laughs> and, and some sort of mute button for the host. Oh, while the host is talking and he could jump in. Yeah. So he makes a joke about Melania. Get him out of here. <laughs> Get him out. And they just come in with a hook and yank yeah. him off the stage. be pretty funny. I had, a, I had something to say. I don't even know why I brought up the correspondence dinners. that late at night. I'm lacking that many motor skills right now. Yeah, no booze involved either. You're the Michter's guy. I'll say. I'm the designated driver in my own studio. But <laughs> it was a fantastic night on the Kennedy Show, if anybody's interested. Uh, she uh, was hosting a new game I wrote called That's What He Said. Oh. Not she said. That's what he said. And the premise of the game was, it was, um, you know, Joe Biden likes to say he's the most electable candidate because he's the polar opposite of Donald Trump, and he would restore order to the office. So we played a 15-question game where we had quotes, and you had to guess if it was a Trump quote, a Biden quote, or a celebrity quote. Hmm. Uh, the high score was 6 out of 14. Not an easy game. Oof. They're indecipherable. Like, they're really, like, you don't realize, because Biden's like Trump, he speaks extemporaneously. So he right. says a lot of things. Yeah. Like, yeah, one of, his, one of his, you know, he has a famous quote, like, you can't go into a 7-Eleven without seeing one of these Hindus. Like, you know, that's just how he talked. You know, he has a, there was one of the lines in there was like, uh, about Somalians. Like uh, a lot of my great friends are Somalians because they're driving cabs here in the city. (laughs) You would think that might be a Trump line. Uh, it's not unmanly to wear a condom. That's a Biden line. I mean, I get it, but the choices were Trump, Biden, or Ron Jeremy. A lot of people got that one wrong, but there were a lot of ones like that. You know, it's a three letter word and that's jobs. J O B S jobs, which is so goddamn stupid. But uh, it was a fun night on the show. It's a f- it's fun fun to be here. Right, this is a weird way to do the show, but I like it. We're hanging out. We're having some you and me time. We're doing it. It's nice to see you. Uh, what else, Sean Barry? I feel like we owe these kids something. They tune into the show. Well, we, we really have no plan. We're just hanging out with you right now. Well, we were talking on the way over here. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston lost twice at home. Yeah, want to talk? Oh, about the, the Astros. Yeah. Holy shit! The Astros are down two games to none, which means my man Juan Williams. He could be halfway to he's halfway to a World Series right now. Nationals have never won a World Series. Used to be right. the Montreal Expos. Now they're in Washington in the swamp. Bryce Harper leaves via free agency. Team's about to win the Super Bowl without him. That's amazing. Yeah. Correct. You know what it's the equivalent of? There's an, a great commercial back in the nineties where a girl is driving over to a guy's house to dump him. Mm-hmm. And she's rehearsing it like it's not you, it's me. Oh my God, you know, it's, I'm just in a weird place right now. And they show her rehearsing. So anyway, she rings the doorbell and uh, she's like, I have something to tell you. He's like, I have something to tell you. And she's like, I want to break up with you. I don't want to be together anymore. I'm so sorry. It's not you. It's me. And he goes, I hit lotto. Oh. <laughs> it's really funny. You know, and that's hey, what happened to Bryce Harper. You never know. Yeah. He drove over to the Nationals to like, it's not you. It's me. I'm so sorry. And the Nationals were like, yeah, I just hit the lottery. <laughs> Good luck out there. <laughs> Like, so what, you know, what a bizarre thing to happen, you know, and here we are. So they're down two games to none with the series heading back to Washington. And I am rooting for Juan Williams hard. You know, people on Twitter are monsters. I can't watch your show if Juan is on. Yeah. Like, why? why? Like, do you need everyone who exists to agree with you? Have we all become like that self-absorbed and self-important that there can't be a world out there with a differentiating viewpoint? I mean, that's the point of our show. 
Yeah, someone might have something to say that will make you think a little differently. You don't have to agree 100%, <laughs> but you might be like, you know what? Yeah. All right, something to that. Yeah, and even, if, and even if you don't see anything to it, it, it just shouldn't be, you know, so Should, off putting. Shouldn't poo poo it right you away. should be so upset. What do they say Seriously. at those food parties? Don't yuck my yum. Mm. Don't yuck Juan's yum. Okay? It sounds so gross. It does. It just sounds weird. <laughs> It sounds like something they'd say at like an S&M club or something yeah. weird. Now, you're going to see some things in room three, okay? <laughs> Don't yuck that yum. Don't yuck their yum. Uh, but that went on. The Nationals lost. Uh, excuse me, the Nationals won. Yeah. It's that late. Like, the, the nerve of us to put me in a studio. You know what the show is like right now? Yeah. This is like when they licensed Muhammad Ali to fight one more time in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> he punched his trainer. Like, he didn't know where he was in the ring. It was it was like watching Joe Biden campaign, basically. He didn't know where he was, is you know. And uh, they let him fight, like, Trevor Burbick in Las Vegas. And it was, like, a huge turnout, and everybody there was rooting for them. But, like, the people that were the sharps that knew about how to make money... We were like, yeah, he's not even training. He doesn't even know where he is. He was like a chubby, fat guy at this point. But they trotted him out there for a huge payday. And it's probably one of the reasons he's as banged up as he is. Yeah. And uh, knowing that to be the case, Sean Barry was like, yeah, Jimmy, let me lace up your gloves, get you in a ring. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Sean, I don't know. I've been writing since 5 o'clock this morning. Yeah. Like, yeah, it'll be great, kid. Yeah, you got it in your kid. No outline, no nothing. You get out there. It's your night tonight, kid. That's right, baby. I'm getting smacked all over the ring right now. <laughs> You're fine. There's a lot of people bet big money on this one thinking they were going to cash in. They're like, not Jimmy. He'll be sharp today. He don't ever need to sleep. Watch, I'm going to win big. You see. Yeah. And now I'm getting cuffed all over the ring. That's the bookie. That's the bookie laughing. These, somehow these idiots bet me off as like a three-to-one favorite. They're like, nah, Jimmy fail. He nails it every time. And here we are. Just a mess. Yeah. I'm drinking Dunkin' Donuts coffee roll coffee. Guy just gave up. Fantastic. That's oh, nice to be here. Again, you guys, I don't even know another podcast who does this. When they're off, they're just off. Right. But these, are, I think like podcasts is a thing. I think they're a very intimate affair in that, you do on these have a way to individually connect with listeners. You know, the way you do on radio to an extent, when I fill in on the radio, people can call and talk to you, you know. But for the most part, it's a limited conversation. There are people like that are interacting with this podcast that blow my mind, like mm -hmm. sending me lengthy messages every day. I like this. I didn't like that. I mean, I don't get a lot of I didn't like that, except from Jenny. Sure. <laughs> you called me a whore again. <laughs> like, well, I said we're running an honest show. You know, you can't. <laughs> Keep disparaging Ohio. Yeah, so. people are getting upset, you know. <laughs> and uh, But but it's, it's amazing that you do have this ability to connect, which I appreciate. I like it a lot. Um, and it, that is the one cool thing about social media. It's like you can watch a guy on TV and talk to him afterwards, mm -hmm. which I think is cool. Um, at the same time, it's kind of cheapened everything because we're all too connected now, right. and there's no separation. Like, I didn't like when Trump won the presidency. It was weird to me that his transition was in New York, that he was here in New York, because mm -hmm. to me the presidency was always this faraway exotic thing, and it kind of cheapened it to have it so close to us. Right. This, the same, you know, because when a presidential motorcade came to town, you know, Obama's would be a good example. Be like, wow, that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. But when it's just here, it's not the same thing. No. It's like when we had the Super Bowl. I thought it sucked. It wasn't as exciting anymore. Right. It's supposed to be a warm weather thing where they go and it's, you know, exotic. Instead, we got that coldest, uh, it was the coldest week in history. But it warmed up to like 44 degrees for the game. But no one bothered telling the Broncos because they were cold that day. Yeah. <laughs> Opening snap over Peyton Manning's head. They were getting eight and a half points. I'm like, they can't lose getting eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> snapped the opening snap <laughs> over his head <laughs> yeah that's that's the bookmaker this is me after the opening snap goes over his head <laughs> you know <laughs> you know and we never looked back they lost the game 43 to 8 43 to 8 and uh it was the shittiest super bowl ever played right here in new york in the meadowlands was that the year that the uh seahawks that the coach was uh, literally turning red, like his nose was about to fall off. Is it the same year that I'm thinking of? No. The Giants coach, you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, but um, the game you're thinking of wasn't a Super Bowl. Oh, it wasn't a Super Bowl. I'm okay. thinking of the Super Bowl, the Meadowlands. Because the Giants weren't in the game. It was the Seahawks against the Broncos. Oh, they beat them senseless. Not good. Not a good day for the champ. Mm -hmm. I thought Peyton and the boys might keep it close. That, that wasn't a thing. It didn't happen. Mm -hmm. They lost 43-8. to eight. Not good, Sean Barry. Sorry, buddy. It happens. What are you going to do? You know, you call up the bookmaker and, you, you know. Paying in cash. You know, and there you go. There you go, pal. <laughs> Thanks. Get him next time, Jimbo. <laughs>
<laughs> is Jenny operating that webcam? I assume so. <laughs> oh, Given the size no. of the wager, is she going to be back online tonight? Oh, my God. Nah, Jenny Phil is the best. We talk a lot of <laughs> shit. You know, there's nice things. Like, her family knows I'm kidding. And nobody else knows I'm kidding. Like, you know, I talk, say terrible things about this poor woman. It's the love of my life. But uh, her family, you know, they're like, oh, that Jimbo. But everybody else is like, yo, your wife's going to stab you, man. <laughs> Like, dude, you know how much work I have to do tomorrow? If my wife stabs me, my dying words are going to be, thank you. I'm like, great. Yes. You shouldn't have killed me yourself. Yeah. Now they probably won't give you the insurance money, jackass. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> so sad. The sad part is, like, Lincoln could fill in for everything I do, and it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, you know. I could work with him. Oh, yeah. You can. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um, so what other, what else went on in the world that I have to share with you guys right now? I mean, really, because we're here. We're taking the time to do this. And uh, I feel like we should have some us guy time. You know what I mean? There was the Nationals against uh, the the Astros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we hit on that. Oh, what is the, I wanted to know about this. What does the we're building a wall in Colorado thing mean? Okay, this was a story. It's on Drudge right now. Trump mm-hmm. said we're building a wall in Colorado. So we scaled down a bit. When talking about border wall progress on Wednesday afternoon, he was speaking in Pittsburgh. We're building a wall on the border of New Mexico. We're building a wall in Colorado. We're building a beautiful wall, a big one that really works that you can't get over. You can't get under, and we're building a wall in Texas. We're not building a wall in Kansas, but they get the benefit of the walls we just mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what's so funny about this? That wasn't even the question. All they asked was, how are you? (laughs) How's it going, Don? We're building a wall in Colorado. We're not building a wall in Texas. So what, they're trying to wall off states now? That's the uh There are the no wall? reports of plans to build the border wall in Colorado. Governor Jared Polis clapped back on Twitter. Well, this is awkward. Colorado doesn't border Mexico. Good thing Colorado now offers free full-day kindergarten so our kids can learn basic geography. Oh, my God. Really? That happened? So he really, he really said that? We won with highly educated. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. And now we know why. It's unbelievable. Yeah, there's no, if you look at the map, which is so funny, I mean, I we all know there's no border wall with, you know, Colorado, but if you look right here, mm-hmm. there's Colorado. Yeah. Okay. He's a little bit dopey. There's Mexico. No, there's New Mexico, but they haven't crossed out on the map to say Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably his confusion. Yeah. He thought New Mexico was like Mexico trying to, like they already jumped, jumped the wall. Like, how about this? We're not building a wall in Kansas. Kansas is above Oklahoma, which is above Texas, which is above Mexico. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we're not building a border wall in Ohio. (laughs) It's nowhere near anything. So crazy. He's having a great time, and he's the president. But you want to know what it is, too? Oh, it's because there's so much content now that none of it matters. You really can say anything. And... It doesn't stick or it doesn't linger the way like political missteps used to. Like think about a guy like Michael Dukakis. He's running for president. Mm-hmm. He famously took a photo in a tank where he had like a helmet on. Yes. And everybody was like, oh, that's absurd. He's finished. Get him out of here. Never talk to him again. He loses almost every state right. for a photo. Right. You know, that was it. Who's the guy? Howard that, Dean. Who Howard Dean. Screen. Yes. Ah! Ah! Was, ah! That's like, yeah, I don't like that one. Get him out of here. Now there's so much content. That you can really survive anything if you're willing to come out with more content. The only people who can are like comedians. You know, they'll find something you did 12 years ago and be like, you're, you're gone. But you could be the president. You could be, how about this? Ralph Northam, governor of Virginia, gets caught wearing blackface in his high school yearbook. Mm. But holds on to his job because he came out and apologized. Like, yeah, it was a lapse in judgment. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have known better. And then the next day he goes, actually, it wasn't me. And, <laughs> and how do you know it was me? I don't know it was me. I, I misremembered. And then while they were debating whether or not to get rid of him, the attorney, uh, the deputy governor, was like, yeah, I'm really sorry, but I took a picture in blackface too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, you can't get rid of him. And then they accused the third guy of rape. And they're like, well, none of these guys should have it, so we'll just leave it the way it is. It was like, you just if you just keep feeding us stories, we'll let anything go yeah. now. So when they say, like, oh, you know, American people don't deserve Donald Trump, of course they, of course they do. Because we just live in an era of just, you know, dominate the phone and win. Whatever Mm -hmm. dominates the phone wins. And he knows how to dominate the phone better than anybody we've ever seen. And it's partly because the press can't resist covering it. If they walked away from him, his omnipotence is a superpower. If, like, he had come down the escalator and we just all pretended it didn't happen, the campaign would have lasted three days and that would have been it. Right. But because they were like, this Klansman, 
that a lot of people were like, what do you mean, Klansman? I get he's dopey and he says ridiculous things. Right. It's not a Klansman, and that made people get a little upset at the media, and that's how the revolution began. You know? So that's where we're at right now. But the story tonight, uh, which is something we might have been doing tomorrow if we weren't just sitting here mailing in this show, which I resent that comment, by the way, because we don't even have to be doing this show. Right. But we're giving you a little bonus. But you also made the comment. I did. So. You can't resent your own comment. I guess you can. Once we get this wall done with Colorado, everything will be fine. Yeah. There you go. All the rapists <laughs> and everybody else will at Hil- bay. Hillary Clinton's camp is doing nothing to stop speculation that she's jumping into the race. What do you want to bet me that she's jumping into the race? I've been telling everyone this that... You're, you're excited for it. You're hoping for well, it. Well, I would love it. It'd be great. I mean, her party wants... There's an article in the New York Times. We talked about it on, on today's show about how... You know, the party's looking around for a new candidate because they don't have anybody they think can win. But she didn't win last time. No she kidding. She didn't win the time before that. But they that, think, yeah. like, because she won the popular vote, she could galvanize the base because they need a moderate. Basically what happened is, like, Bernie Sanders is, like, you know, free health care, you know, um, free college, free willy. Everything's free, mm-hmm. you know. Elizabeth Warren's doing a version of that, but she also has some DNA issues and character flaws that people aren't that thrilled with. And then Biden is Biden, you know. Right. Nice enough guy, but uh, I think I like Warren out of the out of those three. Yeah, of course you would. You're a cuck, but I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> kidding. God, Jimmy, you know what that means? What is it? <laughs> you are so dumb. You are really dumb for real. But uh, no, I think she's terrible. Um, and if I was going to get behind anybody in the party, I could vote for Mayor Pete or Tulsi Gabbard. How about that? All right, I'll give you Peter Tulsi. I would vote. I want Tulsi Gabbard to be the nominee and win. And just a reset button for the whole country. And I don't think there's any shame for Trump in losing to like a Tulsi Gabbard. She's a 16-year combat veteran. She does happen to be gorgeous. She's wildly intelligent. And uh, she hasn't been a person who's just run with the herd on every idea. Like most people running for president, like, oh, this isn't popular? Okay, I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. Like Tulsi Gabbard has been, for the most part, a stick-to-her-guns person. Um, So I can get behind that. Um, and I think it'd be a fresh new look for the country. I don't know that it's coming because they're not going to give it the nomination. You know, they'll give it to like Biden or somebody like that. Who's, I don't think they will. I, I mean, I don't think he's going to make it. I think they're going to want to give it to Elizabeth Warren or if Hillary jumps in or somebody or some other white horse like a Bloomberg or a, I can't see like a Michelle Obama getting in because her life is so good. Mm-hmm. Why would you, you know what I mean? Why would you do that to yourself? But uh, a Bloomberg or somebody like that, you might see something happen. You know, Sean Barry? Yeah. But, I mean, they came through the Democrats with like, ah, we need new blood in Washington. And then they nominated like 80, 80, 80 80-year-olds. Like, you guys actually mean new blood, like transfusions, you know? (laughs) (laughs) When they said we needed new blood, they meant new blood. They're like, we need platelets if anybody can donate. (laughs) These are old people. If we get some of Keith Richards' blood. Yeah, I know, tiger blood, something like that. Charlie Sheen blood. What's the old uh, the joke? I've seen younger faces on money. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen younger faces on money. (laughs) You know? But uh, I don't know. The way I see it, Hillary is getting in. You want to know why? Antoine Seawright, who's going to be on the show today, famously told us last time, he's like, she ain't getting in. She ain't getting in. He works for her. He knows her. Talks to her all the time. She ain't getting in. But she has said she's not getting in every time she ran. In 2016, they were like, well, I would never say never. That's a good impression. And then a week later, she's like, I am officially running. (laughs) 2008, same thing. I just want to serve the American people, you know. And then uh, she does talk like a Teddy Ruxpin. You know, like you could put any tape in a Teddy Ruxpin, but he would talk like Teddy Ruxpin. I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. I mean, that's my people's pantsuit, you know. So silly. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. Leave me alone. Uh, But the point is, um, you know, we're here. We're here because we love you. We're here because we appreciate you supporting our program. Uh, we're here because we have a contractual obligation to put out five shows a week. Yeah. <laughs> Even on Give a night something. when Sean trots me out here. That's right. Like when, uh, you know, when Joe Lewis was fighting to the point, like, because he owed the IRS money. So they let him fight into his 50s. They were literally giving him his insulin uh, injections between rounds because he was that banged out. Yeah. But that's what you're doing to me right now. Well, hey, listen, I, you have an obligation now. You're a public speaker. People need to hear your voice, and I want to make sure I, I prop you up here. 
and uh, put those toothpicks in your eyes and make you make you stay up and talk. If you're listening to this down and you li- download it for your own safekeeping, because we're going to fulfill the obligation, but this is getting pulled out of the thread in like a week <laughs> quietly. You know those people delete tweets and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to quietly sneak this one out of there because this Maybe. is like a basement tape. We're a mess. It's 11:49 at night. I haven't slept in three days. I'm trying. You, you look know? great. Thank you, buddy. Bastard. <laughs> you ever been on a strip club when the lights come on? Oof. All I can say is there's a reason they keep them down. Mm. There is a reason they keep them down. Man, I was in an Atlantic City strip club once. Once. And uh, the lights came on. And it was real. It really, you know what? It was that other thing we played earlier. It was like. Uh, <laughs> people really yeah. screaming. No. Not just the women, but like, oh, what is all over the floor? Oh, it's not good there. It's gross there. No, you don't want to be in one of those places, man. You do not want to be in one of those places. But we have to take a fast break because we have advertising. People are people are willing. Shout out to the Mictors guys, by the way. Can we talk about this for a minute? Better. They're the best people, who, I, in my opinion, who've ever lived. They're like mm-hmm. just the coolest, sweetest, nicest, classiest people. Uh, you'll never have a better sponsor. But more importantly to you people listening, because they don't sponsor you guys, you'll never have a better glass of whiskey. Ever. Ever in the history of your life. Test to that right now. Oh, yeah. You're drinking a Kentucky straight rye is what you're drinking. A US one is what you're drinking, Sean Barry. That's Mm -hmm. a sexy choice by you. Mm -hmm. That's a sexy one. I'm going to have to re-up during the break here. Are you going to re-up during the break? He's going to re-up during the break. All right. We'll see what maybe two of us won't have motor skills when we come back. (laughs) That's very authentic. Introducing Ask Trump, the advice seminar from a man who's an expert on everything. Nobody knows the politicians better than I do. I know more about ISIS than the generals. Nobody knows more about campaign finance. Nobody knows much more about technology. Nobody knows more about environmental impact statements. I understand the tax laws better than almost anyone. He'll take your questions on everything from baseball deals. Nobody knows more about trade than me. To children's gifts. Nobody has better toys than I do. Ask Trump can improve your vocabulary. I know words. I have the best words. Audiences enjoy it so much it feels like a religious experience. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Ask Trump is so successful the critics are going nuclear. There's nobody that understands the horror of nuclear better than me. Ask Trump, the fastest growing advice seminar in the country. Because nobody's ever had crowds like Trump has had. True story. Nobody, nobody has ever had crowds like him. The guy draws. <laughs> I mean, really, he's not lying. The guy does draw. It's a heck of a show, too. I mean, not at inaugurations, but... Uh... That's a weird one. You know, honestly, <laughs> which is so weird about that, because he did... He has outdrawn any politician who's ever campaigned. Period. There's no indisputably true. And the other night in Texas, he had 20,000 people inside, 30,000 people outside. They show up. It's like a religious experience for these people. Well, that's part of the problem. Well, <laughs> but uh, the inauguration, I think, because there was, like, so much unrest, and they did light the city on fire, mm. you know, and there was nobody along the parade route and stuff. Right. I think there were probably a lot of people. I mean, I was genuinely surprised by that, but it almost makes sense to me that there were probably a lot of people that didn't want to go there because, you know, the reality is you're wearing a Trump hat. You're in danger of getting attacked, more so than other people. There's it's definitely an, happened, yeah. Yeah, right. Antifa's beating up Trump supporters. They're not. No one's beating up Antifa, unfortunately. I'm not advocating for violence, but you know, if you're one of these jerks who burns down a college because a conservative speaker's there, well, I'd we, like to consider myself uh, anti-fascism. But I don't know if I was yeah, but anti-fascism. These people are not anti-fascism because they're shutting down the speech of people they disagree with. That's yeah, well, fascism. Exactly. They're going. Though. Exactly. <laughs> it's like smash yeah, racism. Yeah. They're like, ah, we're a group called smash racism, so we're gonna beat up white people. Right. I'm like, no, no, that's not how. That's racist. Right. That's not how this works. Jimmy Fallon, Sean Barry. We like to do headlines on the show every day. Let's have some leftovers from things that went on today. Do you want to try our hand at this, Sean yeah, Barry? Let's do it a whirl. What do we got to lose? NASA now predicting that humans could land on Mars Ooh. by 2035. Big news. I mean, it's, it's so cool, scientifically speaking. But, man, does that scare the shit out of me? Like, I, there's no world where 
I ever want to go into space. I don't want to go to Mars. I don't want to go to the moon. Like me personally. Mm -hmm. It just seems like it's so frighteningly cold and mm -hmm. barren and uh, there's no way. I, feel, I don't know who I feel worse for in 2035, the astronauts or President Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> yeah. She'd be in office. She'd be in a second term by then. It's coming that way. Honey. Honey will be there. I don't even know that NASA's going to get there. Like, it's weird. You know, like, we haven't been back on the moon since we landed there. That's a great point. It's I, bananas. I, I think about that often. Like, why don't we have, like, an awesome warehouse, at the very least, on the moon that's, like, filled with oxygen? Uh -huh. We can't pull that off? That's so weird. It's, it's underwhelming to me. And I think what NASA's doing is, you know, they want funding. So they're doing the classic, like, you know, when a guy's going to get dumped by a girl, so he starts making big promises. Like, mm. Oh, baby, we was about right. to go to Cancun, baby. You can't leave now, girl. We was going away. And that's what NASA's doing. Like, oh, baby, we was about to go to Mars. You got to cut that check, girl. Right. And they're like, fine, here you go. To get those space stations floating around. But, yeah. you know, why don't we have a station on the moon? That'd be super cool. We'd like, go to the moon, go come back from the moon. Yep. It makes sense. It's like uh, what the 50s comics would or, or like Looney Tunes things would do. Mm-hmm. Why he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, True clear, story. Clearly a scientist. You are a scientist. Here we go. Speaking of scientists, a British study yielded the first medication that can slow down Alzheimer's disease. Oh. Now if they can just figure out where they put it. Yeah. You are so dumb. You are hey. really dumb. For real. Do you know that old street joke? Uh, a woman goes... Uh, Woman goes to the doctor, gets some blood work done. Mm -hmm. Doctor calls her house later that day. Mr. Johnson, so sorry. Your wife came in for some blood tests today. Fortunately, there was a mix-up. We had two Mrs. Johnsons come in. And all I can tell you is one of them has AIDS. One of them has Alzheimer's disease. Husband's like, great, what do I do? He's like, I'll tell you what. Your wife comes home from the hospital today. Tell her to take a walk around the block. She makes it home. Don't fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. We're just telling jokes. Everybody calm down. Yeah. Woo. Survey by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Trump should campaign on what I'm about to tell you. Someone should campaign on this. All right. Survey by the U.S. Department of Agriculture found that the U.S. has a massive surplus of bacon. Mm. Due to a surge in the hog population. Right, like what, wild hog? We are in the golden age of bacon. There is a surplus of bacon. We have more bacon than we can eat. It is the highest bacon count since 1971. Why is, no, why is it so expensive then? And knowing how fuck, how fat we are as a country, bacon. Hey, I brought, I made bacon great again. <laughs> you could run on that. Most of the company like, oh my God, I'd vote for that guy. It's true. Bacon? I got to dump Tulsi Gabbard now. <laughs> this guy, you know, hit me with the bacon. He should be campaigning on this. It's true. It's very expensive. You get a pound of bacon. It's like uh, six bucks or seven dollars almost. Yeah. You got to wait till it's on sale. Yeah. That's what I do. But no one did. That's the point. No one did. Uh, now we're in the golden age of bacon. Um, answer me this question. Were you a bacon or sausage guy? Bacon all the way. Right? Mm-hmm. Sausage does good things. I used to like like a, a a park sausage or whatever that other one is. I didn't eat Jimmy John's. There was another one though that I'm thinking of. Oh, um, yeah, another Jimmy Jimmy Dean, like Jones or something. Yeah, oh. something like that. I don't know, but it was good. But the point is, uh, well, bacon is a consistent. It's a, it's like if you do it right, it's always going to be right. But sausage, you get a mixed bag. You never know well, really what you're getting in a sausage anyway. No, I agree with you there. Um, I I used to love though those little like um. You know, you can buy, like, those frozen, like, McMuffin sandwiches. Yeah, Jimmy Dean sausage biscuits. Yeah, the sausage biscuits. Those things are incredible. Incredible. I'm going to eat 28 of them it's, tomorrow. It's like it's like 2,000% sodium. Yeah, yeah, they're no. so crazy. So bad for you, but, but they're great. They are. Occasionally, though. I haven't had one in 100 years. You know my favorite breakfast sandwiches at Fred's Deli in Levittown? Greatest deli ever. The Hungry Man, which is... Uh, like, every deli's got a version yeah, of that, right? Yeah, Hungry Man. The Fred's is six eggs, ham, bacon, sausage, cheese... You can get home fries on it if you want, on a hero. Oh, I haven't had one of them in 100 years. I'm due for one of those. I'm just a big fan of the old bacon, egg, and cheese, salt, I mean, pepper, ketchup. I mean, it might be the best thing about bacon. this country. Yeah. Yeah, it might be the best thing. It might be all we have going for us at mm. this point, Sean. Go down to Fred's Deli, get a hungry man, you know? I'm into that. <laughs> could do that all day. All right, but I digress. Mexico, desperately trying to get its soccer fans to 
Hang on. What happened? You're still eating. Oh, is that you? <laughs> it's not me. I want to make that clear. <laughs> oh, that's the hog surplus. <laughs> the surplus. They're in the studio. <laughs> Save yourselves. The hogs are here. So silly. Mexico, listen to this story. I'm sorry. Why is it still going? I don't know. Can someone make it stop? You're, you control the board. Oh, man. Uh, all right, listen to me. <laughs> Just let it play now. It's too much fun, right? Yeah. Hold <laughs> well, on, Mexico. Hold on, anyway. Back down in Mexico. <laughs> on the other side of the Colorado border wall. <laughs> I can't with this guy. I can't, man. I can't. Uh, Mexico is desperately trying to get its soccer fans to stop chanting homophobic slurs every time a gay player touches the ball. (laughs) Apparently there's a guy they play, like Paraguay, who Paraguay, who whenever he touches the ball, they start chanting like homophobic slurs. And uh, they want them to stop. They're trying to be like, hey, we're not the people who... Right. Chan homophobic slurs. We're the mm-hmm. people who let a drug cartel take over town yeah. and shoot missiles at people. Kill, kill we're, but we're classy about it. Yeah. We're classy. We're not going to be having any homophobic slurs mm-hmm. while the cartel is shooting missiles at the locals. That's not who we are here as a people. But I think it's really funny. It's 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 worth getting into as I get out of bed tomorrow to go host a, an American football show that's listened to, oddly enough, by millions of people. It's going it, to... It, I was told 800,000 people listen to the first episode of of the Blue Rush podcast because the posts, the posts uh, audience is vast, you know, mm-hmm. which is the plan is I'm doing it because I love football. I love the guys of the post and I grew up worshiping the post, but it's really just another leverageable asset to boost the profile of the Kennedy show and, and certainly boost the profile of this show. Um, but but by comparison, like our advertisers are like, wow, you guys are already getting like 5,000 listeners. That's amazing. These guys are getting 800,000. Incredible. I mean, it's me, but I'm just being very upfront. This is a better show than that. That's a sports show. It's very one-dimensional. Mm. I mean, I like it, but I, I love doing it. We talk sports. Yeah, a little bit, you know? The Nationals. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, letting down your family. That's a sport. <laughs> we are Olympic <laughs> gold medalists at it, aren't we? But yeah, Mexico, uh, you know, stop being mean to the gay people. I don't know. Yeah, relax. Calm Take down. it easy. Calm down. How about that? I don't know if you saw this one. I don't know. It's pretty interesting now. Uh, Rob Lowe mm. says his infamous 1988 sex tape mm-hmm. is the best thing that ever happened to him. Interesting. Because he took a lot, a lot, a lot of heat at the time. Yeah, it disappeared for a minute. Yeah, but it, made, it does make sense because it also catapulted him up in relevance. In a way that probably didn't benefit him then right away because it was a stigma associated with that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that went away fast, with like Pamela Anderson, Tommy Lee, and then certainly Kim Kardashian. But I think that was one of the first of yeah. those type oh, yeah. of like, you know. It wasn't a calculated release from what I gather. Right. And it was before, you know, social media. I mean, this was something that came out. It was kind of a big deal for a minute. It was a quick flash in the pan. Uh-huh. And we all knew about it. and then But he disappeared. He went, under the radar forever, mm-hmm. and then what reemerged as this what right uh, was it the West Wing or yeah. whatever show he was involved with, uh-huh. huge on that came back also Parks and Recreation in Wayne's World, Wayne's World. He just had a big you know resurgence and and then here we are yeah um and he's doing like Metamucil. Well, I mean like think about that. It's funny. Think about <laughs> this like Paris Hilton obviously Kim Kardashian used to be an underling to Paris Hilton. They were right. friends, and she was like a flunky for Paris oh, okay. Hilton because Paris Hilton was like that's was Kim social, Kardashian for like two years. That's socialite, yeah, socialite. Um, but Paris Hilton made a really lousy sex tape. She's like blogging oh. while the guy's doing her. Like Kim Kardashian, for whatever you want to say about her, mm. she she ran out the grounders. Like she made a heck of a sex tape. Like it, it is a good tape if you're into that sort of thing. It's a porno, yeah, it is a Period. straight porno. Yeah. And um, but she was she just took Paris Hilton um, times a hundred. You know, in terms of her ability to brand off of that and and grow an empire, showbiz wise, and leverage it into other things, she did everything Paris Hilton wanted to do. Yes, she did. She blew away like mm-hmm. her pseudo mentor. You know, which brings me to Pamela Anderson. Okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna close the show today on what I consider to be one of my favorite things I've ever been a part of, and it involves me, Pamela Anderson, mm-hmm. the New York Post, and a TV show I used to write for. 
a TV show that I've starred on on five occasions called Gotham Comedy Live on Access TV. Okay. You guys were nice enough to stick it out today. And I do mean guys, plural. There's two of you <laughs> listening right now. <laughs> Definitely no women. There's no at this point. <laughs> what are you listening to this shit? This, you want to hear this fat guy disparage his wife while his drunk friend? They wait for Fridays. So like, yeah, Jimmy, keep talking. <laughs> you know, we come back with a Pamela Anderson closer. I enjoyed this story so much. And I'm going to share it with you guys. How about that? A tease mm. right here and everybody calm down. Mattel presents Woke Barbie, the toy that takes offense to everything. Like, what do you mean? You're giving me a dream house? How do you know what my dream house is? Oh, like a woman can't think for herself. I get it. Woke Barbie comes with a gorgeous pink Corvette that you can drive anywhere. Well, like, why isn't this electric? Do you even realize how much you're devastating the environment? Woke Barbie. The toy that comes with everything except a boyfriend. Because she's too damn annoying. Ken left me, but whatever. I couldn't stand the way he was always assuming my dog's gender. What a monster. It's okay, Jacob. I swear, this story does not involve me getting in a high-speed chase with Pamela Anderson, <laughs> but it certainly sounds like it does. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, best time to be in that country. Everybody calm down. Name of the program, Jimmy Fallon. I'm the host. Sean Barry, our producer. Yo. This is basically our Friday in Podcastville, because I don't see you on Friday. I have Jenny Fallon in here. Right. Whoring it up for the full hour. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> God, I love Jenny. Some, some like, Mother Jones blogger is going to hear this and be like, his Stepford wife, who's, you know, just disparages her all the time. She understands a lot of tough love in this family. We like each other. We can talk some shit. Uh, we are a couple of fortunate gentlemen. Oh, let's be very clear. Two of us. Our, well. our wives are phenomenal. We married up. I don't know a woman who kisses better than your wife. I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, 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 get out of here. Shut up. But, uh, hey, so listen to this story. And if I, I've never told you this, but I've, I don't know, I've told some of you listening. It's about three years ago. Um, there's a TV show called Gotham Comedy Live. It's on Access TV. It's out of season right now. But I would write the celebrity monologue for the show most weeks. Because what they would do is they'd have like four comics on the show like me that are, you know, pretty good, but you've never heard of them. You dig? Mm -hmm. And they'd have one celebrity host the show. Each week, different celebrity, but but a non-comedy celebrity. Right. You know, so you might get like a David Hasselhoff. Gotcha. You know, who's a com he's a comedian. He just doesn't know that. Yeah. But he's hilarious in everything he does. He had a girlfriend, like a 27-year-old girlfriend named Brittany and a 27-year-old daughter named Brittany, oh which is really, for all the shit we give Trump about, Trump about Ivanka, at least he didn't date a, Ivanka, you know, well, there's only one. I mean, I don't know a second Ivanka, but still. The two of them can hang out at the mall. Yeah, they could be pals. Uh, yeah, it's funny, but that's what he did. He had two girls, like a Britney and a Britney. But anyway, you'd have like a David Hasselhoff. Or I've told the story, I think, on this show about writing for William Shatner. You know, William Shatner hosted it. I got to work oh, with Oh, Bill. Yeah, yeah, Bill Shatner. I got, to, I got to spend a week making Captain Kirk a comedian. That, that was the gig, basically. So Pamela Anderson. Um, at the time was was the uh, woman that I was, uh, she was under my direction for a week, under my care. Mm -hmm. So Pamela Anderson is hosting Gotham Comedy Live. Um, her publicist gets on the phone with me day one before I get to talk to Pam and gives me a laundry list of the things we can't do. Mm -hmm. And the premise is, this is Pam 2.0. And you guys have to understand that the American people have been misled in that she's so enlightened, so intelligent, such an intellectual powerhouse that we don't want to denigrate that intelligence by referencing like the Tommy Lee sex tape, for instance. Sure. We don't want to talk about Baywatch. We don't want to talk about Bar uh, Borat. We don't want to talk about the movie Barbed Wire. Mm. Nothing to do with Motley Crue. 
Okay. Ooh. I said, well, it was great because there's so many other things What's they want to talk yeah. about What's with Pam Anderson. Her Playboy spread? Nothing. Yeah. It's all off limits. That's the point. She wanted to talk about bombing in the VX, which is like, uh, you know, there's an island off the coast of Mexico with the U.S. test missiles and stuff. And like she wanted to show us that she was so highbrow and genius. Oh. So uh, her publicist is a pain in the ass in yeah. terms of working with them. Like I write a monologue. Like if I'm handing you something that I'm writing, mm-hmm. I really do believe in it. Like I hate everything I write, but I I don't hand it in until I've pounded, you know, tenderized this little slab of beef. But there's no chance until it looks great in the frying pan. No chance I can make this any better. Not, go. So for my money, I don't think I can because right. I'm not giving you a first draft. I'm giving you like a fifth draft. Right, right. You know, so um, professional hand in the first draft. Michter's guy. Hand in the first draft and uh, immediately get back on the, immediately back on, you know, this is, some of this is still sexually suggestive. We don't like the jokes about Starbucks. I feel like that's punching down that whole thing. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. The way this is going, like, these are going to be, this is punching over. These are going to be her fucking coworkers if you don't let me, like, fix this set here. Right. They don't want her joking about anything because she's a genius. You got to know this. Okay. Maybe. So, so far, so good. Um, through the course of the week, I wrote them 13 monologues, a normal one. To give an example, William Shatner is, we get on the phone the Friday before the show, because the show tapes on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Hey man, anything you're into, you're promoting, anything you don't want to touch, anything upsetting about your past, you want me to go near? I don't care. It's your show. I mm-hmm. just, I just, you know, run the plays you send into the huddle. And William Shatner famously said, he's like, I'm 85 and I don't give a fuck. And I said, you know what, Captain Kirk? I said, that's your opener. I'm like, not even a joke. We're just going to announce that, and then we're just going to talk about the world. And every time you say something that we think is crazy, you can go, I'm 85, right. and I don't give a fuck. And that's what we did. And he slaughtered, slayed. Right. He's got great timing. Too. Oh, he is. It's seriously, it's a career highlight for me that I'll never forget. I think I remember when you were working on this. I remember you. It was, well, like, it started with him calling me in Italy. Right. You I was drunk on a rooftop bar in Rome. And you're getting calls from Bill Shatner. And he just called. I'm plastered. They're like eight. I'm drinking Campari spritzes. I don't even know what planet I'm on. Looking at the forum, the Augustus forum. And he's like, uh, yeah, Jimmy, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, we need a favor on the Star Trek Enterprise. And I'm like, uh, all right, I'm six drinks in in Rome, but I'm going to play along. Yeah. Do you remember in Major League where they're like, how'd you like to manage the Cleveland Indians, Lou? And he's like, uh, Colbert, is that you, you son of a bitch? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's a real call. Yeah. So I, I am able to deduce in talking to him because he drops like three or four references, one being Chris Mazzilli, guy who owns uh, Gotham, executive producer of the show, maybe my favorite person in the history of stand-up comedy. I love him. And uh, so he, he hits all the right notes. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's this William Shatner. Try to sober up, Jimbo. Let's get through this. Mm-hmm. But the point is he's a goddamn doll to deal with. Write whatever you want, kid. I believe in you. I heard good things. <laughs> just tell me well, how to say well, it. He heard nothing. Yeah, no, he did. He heard things because <laughs> oh, the producers, the producers, <laughs> like this guy's your head right. This guy's your writer for the week. He'll reach out to you, and he was like, "I want to call him." And whenever I would see him that week, he'd be like, "How you doing? You working? You paying your bills? You doing good?" Because oh, nice. he's like an old school actor. A yeah. lot of people don't know this about William Shatner, but after he finished taping the original Star Trek TV show, he lived in his car for two years. Because the, the 1968 version of Star Trek was not a hit. No one gave a shit about it. Mm. It wasn't until they, it became like a cult thing during reruns in the 70s. And then in 78, they made movies and it catapulted him into superstardom. And they had a rebirth. And he got to do, you know, he got to do that and he got to do TJ Hooker. And right. his joke back then was like, well, nowadays uh, we're so politically correct, you can't even say Hooker. You've got to say Kardashian. That was a Shatner joke. Perfect for him. And the place loved it. Loved it right. so much. He was like, uh, I originally, uh, he's like, I grew up a uh, Hasidic Jew. And that's, uh, if you're wondering how I landed the role as the Priceline negotiator, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> joke for him, you know? <laughs> Shatner, you know? But slays, slays, all like roast jokes, you know? Right. I'm just firing him into the huddle. Just roast joke where I probably, he probably told 45 jokes in 10 minutes. So the dreamboat, okay. That's awesome, man. So Pam Anderson's involved now, though. Right, here we I, go. The point Back is, I wrote Shatner one monologue with, like, two revisions because I wanted to make them. I was right. like, yeah, I want to change this. This will look better if you say that. And he loved it. He was great. He's the best guy ever. He got a standing O. 
I probably like he should have died on the way off the stage and just really went out on a showbiz high. Not <laughs> not that he hasn't been doing great work since, but right. I mean, those people were like, oh, my God, he's like a murderer as a comedian. He was great. Anyway, I'm on my 13th monologue of the week for Pam. And I mean, we're not talking about revisions. We're talking about new subject matter every time. Right. So I have my brain as a puddle. I have melted it down to nothing. Yeah, you've given them all you got. Beyond all. I had it gave them all I got by Tuesday. It's now Thursday. But given I've, them all yeah. you got based on their dumb nothing. Dumb nonsense notes. No, no. There were there were things coming in like I'm not even kidding. Like uh what was the one? Oh, I'll just let me finish the story and I'll explain. Okay. okay? Go on. Um <laughs> we get thirteen basically a legit thirteen things in. The show tape's nine o'clock at night. She shows up for a walkthrough at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And she's like, I walk up. I'm like, hey, I'm Jimmy. It's you know, so nice to finally meet you in person, man. What a fun week this was, you know? And uh, she's like, do you have any champagne? And it's five hours before the show. And she doesn't ask in a way where she's having one to, like, blow off some steam. Mm -hmm. Like, she's drinking champagne for All the right. rest of the night. So much so that by the time she's going to go on stage... She is insisting that she doesn't come in and out of the green room, but she just sits in a chair on the stage huh. while the other comic performs because she doesn't trust herself to walk on and off the stage in heels. She is tattooed. I mean, plastered, mm -hmm. right? But this is Pam 2.0. She's a genius. And her publicist, who has ruined my life for five straight days, uh, there's a couple of reporters from the New York Post in the back that are recognized. Hey, what's going on, man? Can't wait to see what you did this time. Like, for real. Right. And I'm like, I, I didn't want to say this, but I don't believe in anything that I've written because it's like the 13th version of it. And I, they've just whittled it into garbage, mm -hmm. you know. But what happened was, and everyone thinks I deserve credit for this, is right before she went on stage, we had this whole talk where she came to Jesus and was nice and was like, you know, I'm sorry this was a hard week for you. I know we really put you through a lot. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really nice. That's really like she gets it. That's really cool. And uh, I said, you know, I said, I just I don't think the average person realizes just how smart you are. You know, you're so smart. It's like you want it, You suggested all these topics that I love. But I think the average comedy club crowd is going to fly right over their head. I'm like, so we should. The reason I wanted to do like Baywatch jokes, Tommy Lee jokes. I mean, I can put like two really good Tommy Lee jokes in the prompter right now. And, and, and you'll be great for you because it's just going to get people on your side. I'm like, what we should be doing is a couple of self-deprecating jokes about your career. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, we're going to do this Sharknado joke and we're going to do this sex tape joke. And uh, she's like, all right, great. Yeah, great. And she gets on stage, Pam 2.0, genius Pam, who's mm -hmm. now come around to doing it my way for two jokes anyway. But I believe they're good enough that it's going to buy her a lot of store credit. Agreed. She gets on stage because she's a genius. Don't forget this part. Right. And not only is she reading the jokes, but she's reading the stage direction out of the teleprompter out loud. So it's like, good evening. Welcome to Gotham Comedy Live. Please hold for applause. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been so funny. Oh, the crowd is screaming. Yeah. And the guys in the back from the post are like, you son of a bitch. This is the most genius thing I've ever seen. And I want to be very upfront about this. I had nothing to do with this. Right. I in a million years couldn't have dreamt this up. But our genius 2.0 girl, who is Pam.20, is what she is, is reading, my name is Pamela Anderson. Please step to the right. You're out of the shot. Like she's reading <laughs> things like that. And everybody thinks it's irony. And they're losing their shit. Dude, that's so hysterical. She actually, the opening joke was about, um, was real throwaway. She's like, everybody in the cast tonight is on their way up. It's the complete opposite of a Sharknado movie. That's the joke. But it's a throwaway. Everybody casting the way up tonight. It's We got a great show for you tonight. Everybody casting the way up. It's the complete opposite of a Sharknado movie, but she pronounced it a Sharknado. She goes, <laughs> the police op complete opposite of a Sharknado. And everybody was like, huh? Yeah, that's funny. She, I get it. She's playing the dumb thing. And they thought I wrote her like, a, let's play up the ditzy thing. Right. And it murdered. It shouldn't have. I right. got credit for it. I shouldn't have. Oh, you should. But it's my favorite thing in the world. That's amazing. And that's the, you know, that is the one perk to being a Michter's guy is sometimes if you just trust the process, you're not a pain in the ass. You do your job. You show up on time. 
the world rewards you in a weird roundabout way because, you know, you're just chiseling away with your little rock hammer and you don't really see an opening. And then one day the whole wall opens up. And that's what that was. And you had to put up with 13 rounds of notes from somebody who doesn't know funny. Oh, well, no, that, not well, at all. Well, that's the whole thing is that you got people trying to direct the funny, the guy who knows funny and the, and the people that don't know funny trying to tell you what you can do and can't do and what's funny. Yeah, well, that's where Twitter has destroyed the world because it was right. like I was telling you earlier about like the, the White House uh, correspondence dinner. People now think they know funny because right. they have the ability to critique it, but they don't have the ability to write it. That's mm -hmm. the point. Right. So like when you hear a term like oof, right? I'm just like, shut up. Seriously. What do you mean? I mean, I don't get oofed with jokes I write, but I, I hear it all the time and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing to these people? You know? Ouch! Well, at the very like, didn't like, didn't Patrice O'Neill have a great commentary about the whole thing? Like, you know, isn't it the, the job of a comedian? Uh, they know funny, and their job is to try to make something, even as horrible as whatever the topic might be, funny. Mm -hmm. And it might not work, and that's okay. But but you'll find out, you know. But the idea is, you got to try. You're the gladiator in the arena. Yeah. Facing the fire, making it work. I can tell you this, in, in all the time I spent writing jokes, the actuary table in my head is so accurate in terms of, like, what a joke's probability rating is of working. Mm -hmm. I've gotten so good at gauging crowds. For real, I'm not tooting my own horn. This is a product of repetition, not talent. It's a just work ethic that it's hard. It's actually horrifying. And what I mean by this, Sean, is when I'm doing new material on stage... I don't have to tell the joke in front of a crowd to know it sucks or it's good. The minute I'm in the room and I'm banging through my act and I'm about 10 seconds from it coming out of my head, mm -hmm. just by feeling the energy of the room and knowing the context of what's coming out, I already know if it's going to work or not. You can tell if it's going to kill. And it's kill. the worst feeling in the world where you know it's coming not, out and yeah. it ain't working. It ain't going to work, yeah. And the words uh, are literally in my mouth. Like, I'm not going out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> the one, one, the second word in the sentence is shoving out the first word who's like holding on to my teeth for yeah. dear life. Like, I don't want to come out of this mouth. <laughs> and then they're out there and everybody's just looking at me. And uh, it ain't, you what know. What the hell did you just say? And it's not pretty. I absolutely know what you mean, though. You do. Um... Be a Republican, be a Democrat, Just don't be an asshole, <laughs> yeah. really, be a Michter's guy, treat people good, for real, like, we don't care what you vote for or who you believe in, and I know it's, like, such a broken record at this point, but, like, the point is, there's a reason we're breaking the record day in and day out, you know, this is an awesome time, you know what's great about America right now, like, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, it's like, you could be anywhere, anywhere, literally anywhere. You could be in a mountain, mm. and if a song popped into your head, that, like I remember that song, foreigner song, yeah, you could buy it on the top of the mountain and have it. Right. It's so crazy how convenient things have gotten. It's like almost like we can't appreciate anything because it's too easily to be gotten. It's true. You know, any type of food you can think of can be brought to you. You know, I always say this about delivered. All the, it's like it's gotten so convenient. Like I always say this, part of the reason we're losing such empathy is like we see things you're not supposed to see. Right. We get McDonald's delivered at this point. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I haven't tried it yet, but oh, it's for the best. It's getting there. <laughs> I'm fast, settling in. Fast food wasn't depressing enough. Bring it to me soggy. <laughs> yeah. If I could just get this fast food to be aged. I just assume it's going to come. Yeah. Really yeah, awful. it's not good. You don't want it, but it's like it's such a magical time. Porn is free. For the most part, think yeah, that, right. I think that's actually ruining us as a society because I know people that just aren't even leaving the house now. But what? Are the, what are, who are the guys that are paying for the porn? I know those guys are really. Yeah, like what happened to them? They're like out of your card. You can jump in. I'm like, what are you talking about? Do you want a disgusting joke that'll probably cause us to lose some sponsors? Yes. All right, here we go. This is a bit I used to do in my act back in the day, but it's based on a true story. They were. Uh, it's so hard to have pandas breed in captivity mm -hmm. that over in Beijing, China. At a zoo, uh, a couple of breeders showed a panda couple human porn. Interesting. They sat them down in front of, like, a DVD player and let them watch human porn, thinking they would, like, watch it, consume it, and get the gist of it. And it worked. They had sex. Really? But she didn't get pregnant because he came on her face. <laughs> <laughs> 
We won with highly educated. We won with poorly educated. I love the poorly educated. I am... Honestly, no one should ever apologize for a joke. And I refuse. Like, I, and technically, as a decent human, I should apologize for that. That's an excellent joke. An excellent joke. I used to say, like, I wonder if while they were watching the porn, they got a little pop up on the side of like some other, you know, like other panda. Yeah. Like Sheena is five trees away. <laughs> some little slutty little panda eating bamboo in front of the camera. Hi. You know, they start typing on the screen. Yeah. Well, well. Pandas are like notoriously dopey. Like, yeah, they just roll down mountains. Uh, they yeah. fall out of trees. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's. We should probably go now. Hey, I just want to point out that this is supposed to be a twenty-minute episode, but we love you. And Sean pushed me out here till twelve thirty at night. Goddamn right. And now there's jizz all over the pandas. I yeah. think it's time to go. Jizz all over the pandas. New band name. <laughs> go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy.